You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org. The Lord is with us. He's good and he's faithful. And we're blessed by his presence this morning. We, we have three people who serve um, as a part of the ministry of Bethany First Church of the Nazarene as chaplains. I, I really want you to see their pictures. Um, Martha Holly and Ken Christofferson and Will Steeman. They, they spend much of their week visiting people who are no longer able to leave their home or maybe an assisted living facility or a nursing home. And they go visit them over and over again, pray with them, share the Lord's Supper with them, and bless them. It, it may be that you have somebody in your life that uh, is not able to be at church on Sundays but would love a visit by a chaplain. And if you would put their name... Um, on a card that's located in the armrest below you, a connect card, and let us know because we would love to minister to everybody uh, who would love to be prayed over and visited by a pastor. They're all ordained elders in the church, and um, they do a wonderful job. One of those chaplains is Martha Hiley. And Martha came and shared her story with our staff just a couple of months ago. And, and as we begin to move into this series where we're seeking to emulate Jesus um, by this simple strategy of friendship and blessing, uh, blessing people by beginning with prayer, praying for them, uh, listening to them, eating with them, serving them, and, and sharing our story. And so when we got to the day about sharing our story, we begin to wonder, what if instead of not just talking about it, but what if we actually shared that practice together? What if Martha came and shared her story? So Martha was raised in this church, grew up as a little girl attending Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Served here over the years, and just last April, she was ordained an elder in the Church of the Nazarene on this platform at our district assembly. And so you're really good at making people feel welcome I'm going to ask you to go out of your way today to make Martha feel very welcomed and loved this morning. Will you welcome Martha as she comes to share her story? <laughs> All right. Ooh, microphone now. Hi. I have a confession to make. Um, I haven't been to second service in a long time. I have hearing aids. And you guys really, really, really know how to worship. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that drum there for a while was my heartbeat. Um, you don't feel nervous when you're not sure what your heartbeat is and what's the drum, right? Um, you guys just took me back to about seven years ago. I started attending SNU. I was not 18. I know that's a shock. I was a little bit older than that. But, but what you saw here today, all these college students worshiping God and up here at the altar praying for other people, going to SNU is like a little slice of heaven. So I'm really excited to see so many students here this morning. Welcome. Well, my name is Martha. I come from a small Oklahoma town called Bethany. Um, 
Maybe you recognize me from serving coffee at the coffee bar. For several years, I came early in the morning and made that coffee. So I was literally Martha from Bethany in the kitchen. It went over about that well at General Assembly, too, or at District Assembly, too. Yeah. So there's another Martha from Bethany. Um, she's in the Bible, and she's also often found in the kitchen. That's why that's supposed to be funny. Um, <laughs> um, she was a friend of Jesus. There's several stories in the Bible where Jesus comes to see Martha and her sister Mary and their brother Lazarus. There's one particular story about them that makes me think about my own life. As you see, Lazarus died. And when Jesus found out, he came to be with Martha and Mary. He cried with them. And then he did the most amazing thing. He raised Lazarus to life again. Well, in my own life, I feel like Jesus has come to be with me, has cried with me in my pain and grief, and has raised me to life again. So I'd love to tell you my story it's really God's story. But first, um, I have the privilege of leading a Sunday school class full of amazing women. Some of them are right there. They would like to be acknowledged. <laughs> um, in my Sunday school class, we talk about praying in transitional spaces, praying when you're going from one place to another, like when you're driving or when you're in an elevator, praying that when you get to this new space that God will use you to love other people. I recognize that telling your story is not easy for everyone. Some of us are more introverted. Some of us have our hearts beating out of our chest. Some of us can't tell if it's the drum or our heart. Um, so when I transition from sitting down there to up here telling my story, I really need to begin with prayer. So Lord, thank you for making it possible for us to all be together today. God, I'm entering into a new space here an opportunity to share about you in a new way. God, I need you. I can only do this with you. I ask that you calm my anxious heart, that you give me the words to say that speak your love and joy. God, could you meet us here today and open our hearts and minds? so that we can hear your voice. Thank you for all that I know you'll provide, because you always do. I have my notes up here, just in case I forget what's happened in my own life. You get up here, sometimes you don't know your own name. So, um, I was born and raised in this church. Uh, Irma Douglas changed my diapers in the nursery. I sang this little light of mine right over there. I was a caravan. I'm part of the reason that the Floyd Center needed to be remodeled after years of youth services. And I still have not given up on my childhood dream of rolling down the aisle from the back of the sanctuary to the front. Uh, I have come to accept, though, that at this point in my life, that might be more of an accident than a planned event. You know, you hang out with 18-year-old college students for too long. You start to think you're that young. And then you sit in one of those wood chairs for eight hours, and you realize that you're not. Um, I had a great childhood. There was one big problem, though. See, my family was caught up in the legalism that so often invades our ways of thinking about God. What I mean by legalism is this idea that we can earn our way into right relationship with God by the things that we do or don't do. Rule following. 
moral and ethical ways of living that have very little to do with character and a lot to do with performance. I was told my entire childhood that God loved me. But in my heart, I believed that I had to be perfect for God to actually love me. Perfection at that young age meant not wearing pants. I had to be clear in first service that we have to wear pants, bottoms. I just mean as a girl, not wearing pants. Um, Keeping your shoulders covered, not piercing your ears, not wearing too much makeup, not going to movies, not watching MTV, not cussing, not smoking, not drinking, and not looking at boys in the wrong way. Which I have to admit was a real problem for me when the Karate Kid came out. (laughs) I love that so many people know that movie, even first service. Ralph Macchio. I I wrote Martha Macchio um, on my all of my notebooks at school. In my mind, I had to be perfect for God to love me. God's love for me was based on my ability to perform. And even at a very young age, I knew that I was far from perfect. I was terrified of God. God became the monster in the closet. Always watching. Always waiting to catch me unaware and devour me. You know, when you you think about God in those kind of ways, it can warp your understanding of everything. Perhaps the most well-known Bible verse, John 3.16. For God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yeah, that scared me. I understood that to mean that God loved so much that God was willing to sacrifice God's child. And not just Jesus. Apparently God was willing to sacrifice any of us if we didn't act in the right way. Looking back over my life, I can see several things that happened that when combined with that poor understanding of God would ultimately cause a confrontation with God that would change my life. An assault my sophomore year of high school was one of those things. It was so traumatic that I didn't tell anybody for months. I finally told a teacher, and she didn't believe me. I didn't tell anyone else, not my parents, Not my best friend. No one. For 25 years. Strangely enough, the first people I told were my 18-year-old classmates at SNU. Because college students are amazing. You know, I knew God wasn't going to hold what happened to me against me. But somehow, I still felt dirty. Unworthy. Ruined. So I looked for security, and I felt like I found that in a high school classmate. He was tall and strong, really smart and mean and overprotective, and that made me feel really safe. After eight years of dating, we got married, and everything was fine as long as I did everything he said. At the same time, I was building a career in medicine. I loved working in healthcare. I still love medicine. Did you know that you can have more than one calling in your life? Well, I landed my dream job taking care of burn patients at that time. 
One day I was in the emergency room checking on a patient that was going to be coming up to my unit when I overheard a couple of nurses talking. Hey, isn't that your boyfriend's wife? You know, the trauma that I endured in high school made me question my value as a human being to not like myself. But knowing that the person that I had joined my life to cared so little for me confirmed to me that no one would ever love me or find any value in me. When I got home from work that night, I confronted my husband, something that I rarely did. His response was abuse. And it ended with him asking me what I planned to do about it. Turns out there were a lot of women. I wish I could say that I stood up for myself. I actually wish I could say that I picked up what was left of my self-worth off the floor and walked out. But what I actually did is get on my knees and beg him to stay. I didn't care what he did or who he did it with, as long as he didn't abandon me. And then he abandoned me. I'll never forget what happened soon after that. I pressed my tear-streaked face to the glass of my bedroom window and prayed to God without fear for probably the first time in my life because I was so sure of what was about to happen. God, I'm getting divorced. I'm permanently ruined now. I'm going to hell. And I'm really sorry because I really wanted you to love me. You know, the God of wrath that I expected to meet me there that day did not. The only way I can describe it is like wave after wave after wave of overwhelming love pouring over me. And that love redefined everything. All of the felt board stories that Marilyn Milliken taught me in the children's department all of the lessons that Paul Baker tried to pry into my teenage mind in the Floyd Center, all of Pastor G and Pastor McCullough's sermons, all the songs, all the caravan meetings, all of my grandma's prayers, just welled back up in my heart dripping with God's love. And I was changed forever. God wasn't out to get me. God was out to save me. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved me so much that God was willing to give it all just for me. And I didn't have to be perfect for God to love me. Well, I still got divorced. It's one of the most devastating things I've ever been through in my life. But man... Every flower and every sunset just captivated me. God had my heart. I knew without a doubt that God loved me and there was absolutely nothing I had to do to earn that love. And I wanted to tell everyone. I just wanted to walk up to strangers and grab them and kiss them and say, God loves you. And you can't do that. Um, 
you know, when you grab someone, but especially once you've kissed them, uh, they're really probably not going to hear anything else you have to say. So maybe, maybe not, not the way to reach out and love. Um, but you try it. I mean, just let me know how it goes. Um, so I threw myself into my work at the hospital. It was fruitful. I knew God was using me there. And my life was just sunshine and roses from then on. Because when you're Christian, you know, nothing bad happens anymore. Life's perfect. Amen? No? <laughs> yeah, that's not the way that worked. Um, a couple of years later, I fell down a flight of stairs at work. The doctor said that he just stopped counting how many breaks. I had some kind of mush between the arch of my foot and my knee. I didn't know it at the time, but I was about to face 12 years of recovery. I did 20 hours of physical therapy a week, had more than 30 surgical procedures, was on IV antibiotics for nine years to try to kill an infection that I got in my spine when they tried to operate to fix the nerve damage. And yeah, that infection tried really, really hard to take me out of this world. But none of that was as difficult as not being able to do my job the way I wanted. Because you see, I was looking for security in my job. I knew that God loved me. I just didn't fully believe that God had my back. I didn't believe that God could and would make good out of whatever mess I found myself in. Being resilient over a long period of time is difficult. And one day something in me just broke. I went from being a person who could do most things albeit with a bad leg, to someone so anxious that I didn't leave my house for almost nine months. In my opinion, feeling like you are not in control of your own mind is the scariest thing. All day, every day, I felt like I was about to die. I cannot exaggerate how awful my life was for me at that time. I didn't get even a moment of relief. I went to bed scared, I slept scared, I woke up scared, I spent the entire day scared. Can I just say, if you struggle with your own mental health issues, you're not alone. You're loved. Your life has immense value. There are people in this church that would love to come alongside you and support you. Just don't give up. You know... Even my worst day of anxiety with God, I was better off than my best day without God. I knew somehow after everything that God had brought me through, there must be some way God would bring me through this as well. So I tried to lean into what God was doing in my life. I devoured God's word. I memorized over a thousand Bible verses about God's love and healing. And I recited them all day long while I walked in anxious circles in the backyard. I demanded that God honor those promises in my life. I demanded that God get me back to my job in the hospital fully because I was called there by God. I don't know, one day I just stopped demanding. I stopped telling God how my life should go. I stopped telling God how to fix my problems. I realized that I was utterly dependent upon God for everything. And that somehow I felt safe in that dependence. I changed my prayer. God, I don't care what you do with me. Just use me. I want to wake up every day with a purpose. 
that is a dangerous prayer and one that I hope every single one of you pray. Have you ever noticed how often in the Bible a woman who can't have a child is given a child by God? Do you ever wonder why so many barren women have babies? I think it's so we can witness the power of God. Anxiety is my barren womb. This isn't so easy for me, but I take every opportunity I have to speak about God in this way because the people that see a barren woman with a baby aren't the only people that witness the power of God. So does the woman who has the baby. Every time I've done something that I know I can't do, I witness the power of God who meets me here. Every time I said I can't, God said I can. All those years ago when I was walking those anxious circles in the backyard, God knew I would be on this platform today, somehow. When I prayed that dangerous God, I don't care what you do with me prayer, God answered. Uh, One day my brother was painting my house and I was watching and probably talking too much. So he suggested to me that I write down a list of everything that I would miss about working in healthcare. Everything at the top of that list was about loving people who are hurting. A calling to ministry started pounding in my heart like the gong from the gong show. Now, I I know that there are younger people in here. It was a television show. I know that's shocking, right? The gong show. There was a gong. Gongs are really loud. All, All I can suggest is YouTube. Um, just don't go down that rabbit hole too far uh, those 70s shows are something special um, <laughs> some of you know <laughs> somehow in the middle of all of my anxiety God was calling me to be a non-anxious presence for other people so seven years ago I called this church and asked to speak with Lewis McLean because I needed help dealing with the gonging I'm going to use a word here that I don't really love Um, especially as somebody who has had mental health struggles, but it is the word I was using, so I'm going to use it today. I felt like God was crazy for calling me to ministry, as in irrational, illogical, definitely not God's best decision. You see, I, I have no business in ministry. I use words like bummer and okie dokie, Now, now a good Pastor Harvey over here, he is from Kentucky, but I have not heard those from him. Uh, You know, there's always hope. Uh, (laughs) You know, I I don't know how to look like a professional. This is about as good as it gets for me. And this this, this was trying really, really hard. I've worn pajamas, essentially pajamas, to work every day of my life. That was a big draw to healthcare with scrubs. Uh, And helping people, of course. But uh, I wear my hair in a ponytail so often that it just kind of grows that way now. Um, And I have waterproof mascara on this morning that I don't know how to take off. Um, I asked first service if turpentine was the way to get that off. But um, apparently most of first service doesn't wear waterproof mascara either. So ladies, um, I need your help after the service. Please seriously, somebody come up to me and let me know how to get this stuff off of my face. Um, I'm just most comfortable outside, you know, with my plants and some stray cats and a little bit dirty 
And I had no idea how God was going to use me for ministry when I hadn't left my house in nine months. Was God just going to bring him to my backyard or I don't know. But apparently God can work with all of that. I told Lewis that I thought God was calling me crazy. God was calling me crazy. That's probably the better way to put that. I told Lewis I thought God was crazy for calling me to ministry. And Lewis agreed to mentor me. I told our church board I thought God was crazy for calling me to ministry. And they gave me a local minister's license. So I enrolled in SNU because apparently I was on the path toward ordination. Eventually I moved on to the seminary. Um, some of you in this room know that when you're in the, in the process of becoming an ordained elder in the Church of the Nazarene, every year you um, come and have what we call a district license interview. Um, if you ever hear on one of those days, you'll just see a whole bunch of people in the lobby out there scared to death. Because they have to go into a room with ministers from our district who are going to ask you questions to see if you have the gifts and graces for ministry or whether or not maybe we should reconsider whether this is the best path for you. Every year I went in there and I told them that God was crazy for calling me to ministry, positive that it was going to be the year that they agreed. Every year they gave me a license. So in February, I had my final interview. It was the interview for ordination. I reminded them that I had been calling God crazy for six years, but it would be really fantastic if this wasn't the time that they agreed with me. (sighs) A person who spent most of her life scared of God. A divorced person. A person who walked anxious circles in the backyard person who called God crazy in front of lots and lots of pastors is somehow standing in front of you today an ordained elder in the church of the Nazarene because God is crazy irrationally illogically in love with me God loves me and you more than you can fathom coming to be with us crying with us when the difficult things in life happen Loving us, seeing the broken places and redeeming them. Pouring so much love out on us that it just overflows everywhere. You know, you don't have to be perfect for God to love you. But you can believe that the love and grace of God can perfect you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I think God's answer to the prayer, just use me, is be like Christ. Christ who gave his life for us. And not just in his death, but in his life, Jesus taught us how to live. According to Jesus, the greatest commandment, and one like it, is to love God and love your neighbor with everything you are and everything you have. For me, that meant a calling to ministry. For you, it might look a little different, but it is still a calling to love your neighbor. So bless them. Begin by praying for them. Listen to them. Eat with them. Serve them. Share your story with them. Well, that was my story. It's your story, too.
I want to make I want to make sure you hear this. It's my story, but it's your story too. It's called to love. It's called to share your story because it is God's story. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making just a mess of a human being able to stand in front of a room full of people and talk about how amazing you are. Thank you for coming and loving us, for not condemning the problems that we have in life, but for helping us through them, for redeeming all the brokenness, for calling us to more, to a life that's flourishing and overflowing with your love. God, I pray that you so overwhelm us with love that it pours out on everyone around us. God, I pray that you light a fire under us so we love our neighbors so much that you change this world. Amen.
Pastor Nick and Pastor Nick's father is with us today. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to say something to you before you go. I, I would love to say to you that um, we're very aware this morning that God is in Martha's story. You know what else? God is in your story. And you have a story to tell. You have something to share. And there are lots of people that God has brought into your life and put in your path who would be blessed to hear how God has been in your story. And so let me let you go with this blessing today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. And be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you. And give you peace. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.